0: Hey everybody and welcome back to Becky Talks Parks. This is a podcast for passionate parks and recreation professionals who are raising the bar in the field and in their community. Join us as we talk to experts in the field who are making a difference just like you. The field of parks and recreation is changing and the value is finally being recognized for what it is, an economic driver and a place for communities to grow and thrive. So if you're ready to hear from the best in the industry Stay tuned. We're going to get this podcast started right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm excited that you've joined us today. This is a really great episode. I am joined again by Anthony Iraqi. And today's topic is about finding your voice as a Parks and Recreation professional. And I think that this is especially prevalent for those younger listeners out there who maybe are struggling to talk in meetings or talk to your boss or maybe go on stage for the first time at a conference. I really wanted to talk about this because it can seem like finding your voice and developing confidence is a natural thing that you just either got it or you don't, but that is so far from the truth. It's all about practice, and I started as one of the most quiet, introverted, which I still am an introvert, uh, but scared and nervous people ever. And I was afraid to talk up, talk in meetings, and I was afraid to speak at conferences. And while there is certainly an element that is still within me. I believe that because I practice and and overcame those fears by just doing it, that I am so much better for it. And I've found a lot more confidence because I've done those things that scared me. And so today, some of the topics that we cover are how to push past discomfort in small groups Maybe you know, you're afraid to raise your hand or to speak your opinion because it might cause some waves in your organization. and that's okay. We're going to talk about how to to move past that. We also talk about, you know going to a bigger stage and how to show up to those conferences. Maybe you have some fears around um, networking with other people that are older than you or who, You know, could potentially be your boss. It's a little bit scary. We're going to talk about how to navigate that. Or perhaps you are thinking about actually speaking at a conference, but public speaking is one of your biggest fears. So we're going to talk about some different uh, strategies for that as well. And then finally, we're going to talk about finding your voice despite other people's opinions. And uh, a lot of times, other people's um, perspectives, especially authority figures, can have a lot of impact on you. And so um, this episode really covers how to move past those or how to have your opinion and respect others too. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. I do want to share an iTunes review that I recently got, and I encourage you to please do that. It's the best way that others can find information or define this podcast really. So this review is from KDOROW, KDRO, I'm not sure, um, but this person says, refreshing. I've been looking for something different to listen to regarding Parks and Recreation, and there just isn't a lot out there. As a small town Parks and Recreation director in New Hampshire, it's nice to hear perspectives of other professionals and their challenges, program ideas, etc. Looking forward to 2020 episodes. Thank you so much for leaving that review. I do hope that this continues to be helpful for you. And um, I think that today's episode will be something that you definitely enjoy. Thanks again. And without further ado, here is the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Anthony Iraki is here with me again. So excited. Today, we are talking about finding your voice. And I think that maybe millennials or our generation are a lot more inclined to want their voice to be heard. And maybe it's because we want to make an impact. Um, but you know, maybe it's on a small stage or what, maybe it's on a national scale. And I think that there's a lot of ways to do that. One of those ways is to develop your personal brand. We're actually going to save that for another episode. But today we're going to be talking about how do you do this on A day to day level. So, how do you do this in your job? And so, we're going to be talking about some of the obstacles that we face when we try to find our voice and how finding your voice is actually something that can be practiced and something that you feel more confident over time. And it also might come with age, too. I, I noticed that now I'm getting into my late 20s. I definitely feel like I am a lot more confident in myself, but whether or not I practice. I think a lot of it's just because I stop caring about what other people think as much as you get older. And so the first thing that we're really going to talk about is how to find your voice in small groups. And I remember this feeling that I used to have where you go into a meeting and you you have a great idea, you have something to say, and yet you don't say it and you leave the meeting completely regretting not saying that. Or maybe you blurt something out and you were like, wow, that sounded really dumb. Why did I say that? And I think that there's a lot of factors at play. Maybe someone powerful is in the room that you were kind of intimidated by. Maybe you were a little bit, you know, afraid to say something that you might regret, or, you know, maybe you, you were afraid to sign yourself up for something that you really didn't even know how to do. And so you know, those are the things that I think about when finding my voice. But Anthony, I know you must have been in similar situations. How have you dealt with those kinds of situations before?
1: It was definitely a struggle. It was definitely a struggle. And I remember about 10 years ago, I was in my mid-20s working for the YMCA in Milwaukee. And so I was a young professional and I had a supervisor that she saw potential in me and my ideas and you know, what I brought to the table. And so she would actually recommend that I go to some of these association level meetings to talk about, you know, the website or the program guide or a number of other topics and kind of represent either my section, which was the aquatics group or represent my branch. And it was, it was intimidating because I feel like you said, sometimes you get up there and People know each other so they're at a higher level than you and they work with each other on a regular basis they see each other as colleagues conversation tends to flow and then you're this young person coming in and maybe you've got some ideas and things you want to share but you don't quite know how to inject into the conversation you don't quite know if what you're gonna say is gonna add any value you're uncomfortable or you're preaching to the choir and so for me honestly it got to the point where Um, I'll be honest with the listeners. My supervisor pulled me to the side and said, "Hey, if I'm going to send you to this stuff and you're not really going to talk or contribute, then I'm not going to recommend you anymore." And so we had a, a conversation about just speaking up and what we can do to make me feel more comfortable and how to manage that. And I think that's a key right there. Sometimes is if you know somebody who is saying that you should be a part of these conversations or bringing you along talking about it with them and putting a plan together as to how you could actually get what you wanna say out there. And, that, and also to maybe you know, reviewing your notes um, or the notes from the meeting beforehand or the agenda and reaching out to the facilitator and talking with them and saying, hey, here's something that I would like to add value to this conversation at. And when it comes time in the agenda, can you please, can you please call on me? And so those are two tools that I started to use when I was younger and I felt that just by having someone supporting me and telling me it was okay, but also reaching out and knowing that I was going to be speaking, knowing when I was going to be giving value and when I would be talking, I could plan and prepare for that ahead of time. And I think that if you're to go that route, it could be very beneficial for you. So...
0: Yeah, I I can definitely relate. And One of the things that, you know, you talk about developing a plan with maybe your supervisor or a colleague to help you um, in these meetings is I remember my boss said to me, you know, in this job, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail. Like I have high expectations of you, but I know that that's just a human thing. And I really appreciated him saying that because it gave me a little freedom to, to um, say something that you know maybe maybe is not what I meant to say. You know, we all are human, and we're going to say things that don't come out right. And especially in these meetings with your higher ups, I remember having this like it, it's kind of an ego thing, right? Like you want to make yourself look smart, and you want to make yourself look um, like you're ready for this next level. Uh, ready for a promotion, but when you're constantly thinking about how you can make yourself look smarter, you tend to overthink what you have to say, and I would get nervous, and I would stumble over my words, um, and, or I take long pauses. That's just kind of me when I get nervous, but uh, one thing that really helped is when uh, when I have a, a sheet of paper in front of me, I'll start jotting down notes from what other people are saying, because I like to think through what I say before I say it. And so by the time you know that there was uh, an opportunity to say something, I had some notes, I had different things that I wanted to say in my moment. <laughs> and once I started doing that, I became more confident that I could get attention, I could say what I needed to say. And, um, part of that too, is not only the words that you say, but also your nonverbals. So it's about looking people in the eye. It's about sitting up straight. Maybe you're putting your hands on your, on the table, kind of demanding attention a little bit. I think all of those things really make a difference. And then when you learn that what you have to say is moving things forward and people are taking action on it or taking notes themselves, um, then I think that, is the kind of thing that allows you to have more uh, persuasive communication. And that's something that, that we can definitely all work on. And I'll say one more thing is that, you know, when I first joined Greenplay, I was very intimidated because I, as I said, as am a young professional, especially compared to some of the people who work there who, you know, have been directors in Parks and Recreation for, for many years. And that's an intimidating place to be. And, you know, I remember one of my mentors, Chris Jepensky, told me at these quarterly retreats that we have, she said, you know, it is your job, it's your responsibility to bring up issues, to bring up ideas and and to give feedback in these meetings. And by staying quiet, you aren't serving anyone or this company. And so that really just reiterated to me that I have a duty and that is to share my opinions and to speak up. and even though it can be really tempting to be quiet when you're more nervous, you can only bring value if you let your ideas be heard. And so sometimes I still struggle with speaking up, but with practice, it's something that I'm definitely getting better with. So, um, you know, and that's just one element of speaking in in meetings, but conferences is another. And so, um, you know, Anthony, what, what is your take on conferences? Do you enjoy them? Hate them? Like, how, how, you find, how have you found your voice in conferences?
1: I actually, I really enjoy conferences. Um, I would say though, it wasn't, it wasn't always that way. And I think that there's been a lot of growth in this area to get me to where I am today. But I, I find it, I find a lot of value in the networking. I find a lot of value in the talking and the relationship building. And working, you know, to engage others and find out where they are. So my first conference I actually ever went to for parks and recreation was here in Wisconsin. And it was a bit of a struggle, you know, finding my voice because I was I was the new kid on the block and I, I felt like it had a very strong reunion vibe to it. And there were two prominent groups at the conference. And so I was in between the college students and I was in between the professionals who you know, maybe they had gone to school together, they had spent some time growing up and going through programs and so they all knew each other. And here I was a transplant outside of the state and coming from the YMCA at the time, I was new to the profession itself. And so what helped me was just going around to individuals and maybe asking some basic questions because I feel that conference in itself is a conversation opener. You at least have that information that you're all there for the same or similar reason, for parks and recreation to grow and to learn. And so I would approach people and have a conversation and ask them, you know, what they did, where they were from, what they were most proud of over the year. Just maybe as a way to ask these open-ended questions to get them to talk so that I could learn a little bit about them and I would always ask for a business card and I would always make sure that I followed up on LinkedIn afterwards. And it was important to me that being new and wanting to introduce myself to this new field that I spent time writing the first email, the first follow up. And I, what's interesting about this experience is this first experience at WPRA, coupled with my first experience at NRPA, kind of what laid the groundwork for the foundation for our Young Professionals Network in Wisconsin. So going to that conference, I felt that there wasn't really an avenue outside of maybe just going to the social events and putting yourself out there into those situations to go and plan ahead of time a way to engage and interact and talk to people. And it can be a bit intimidating when you're younger, you know, if you're fresh out of college or a young professional, to enter into this environment where you're, you're so new. And so it was important to me, having attended the national conference and seeing how open the YPN was, meeting people there and the framework that they have and they still work on for getting people out of their shell at conference and introducing people to others, to mirror that in my home state so that somebody like myself could take advantage of it and others down the line and really build those bridges and connections. And I think when you're heading into a conference, the nice thing is that there's usually some buildup around it. And a good friend of mine, Michael Biedenstein from Missouri, he actually has this great first time networking document that I wish I would have had in my hand when I went to a conference before. And some of the tips include, you know, being genuine in your interactions, getting involved in special events, asking questions and giving compliments, having your business card, using people's first names, And my favorite one, which is remembering that you are a brand. So when you go to conference, having an idea of who you are and what you want to portray, the image, what you're passionate about, the individuals you wanna engage with. And I think that when you go and you build that plan, and if you look at your state association and see what is available for students and young professionals to get involved in, or if you find yourself going to the national conference to seek out the YPN, those are really helpful tools that you'll have to get there and at least know somebody or something that's happening to be more comfortable speaking with others.
0: Yeah. I, I was just thinking about that document and how I want that before every conference. Uh, because sometimes you just forget like in the excitement of it all, there's thousands of people there. How do you maximize your time there? And, because you really do have to be strategic and, um, and remember that you are representing yourself as a brand but you're also representing your agency and so you know you want to make sure that you know whether you're paying for it or the agency is paying for it you get the the most value out of it as possible and you know for me i yeah, i don't know i have mixed feelings about conferences and maybe i'm the only one who kind of feels this way but i as much as I love beating new people, I love the challenge of speaking on stage. I feel absolutely exhausted at the end of the day of conferences. And really, it takes everything that I have to go and network or go to a dinner, go to, you know, the evening activities. It's sad because you know, I, I'm ready to be in bed at 8 p.m. in my pajamas. So it's sad because I really do love networking, and part of me wishes that I, you know, could kind of break out of of that element for me. But I also know what gives me energy, and especially if I'm speaking the next day, you've got to have my downtime. And so. Um, One thing that I really do love is hearing from people after the sessions that I'm speaking at. So the one-on-one conversations is definitely something that I value. And then also I love meeting people in small groups. So I feel um, more comfortable in, you know, um, like a, a small group of like five people or less, as opposed to going into like NRPA and you walk into this giant room, maybe the exhibit hall. And you're like, okay, I'm real, I'm going to network this time. And then you take a deep breath and you realize, oh gosh, there's so many people here. And how, where do I even begin? So that's not really my, you know, area that I really thrive on, but, um, I enjoy those small group settings. So I try to maximize that time as much as possible. And, you know, conferences can be a really great thing for your career and, um, in your professional development but it can it's all about like knowing yourself and figuring out where and how you are going to kind of find your voice I don't know if that makes any sense
1: oh it definitely does and <clears throat> sorry I'd say the most interesting thing is I'm actually an introvert as well myself and so I fully understand when you say I spend a day networking, talking, presenting, doing all these things. I just want to go back to my room and crash and lay there and relax and decompress. And so there is, you know, an effort that goes into it, and we all kind of handle that effort a little bit differently. And from what I'm hearing, what you're saying, and I think kind of the point I was trying to drive home too, is if you're an individual like us where you know, the act of, you know, speaking and engaging and doing these things it isn't something that just comes overly natural or easy. The planning could be a good component of it. And then what I'm hearing what you say too is the value. So you're not walking into a room to shake everyone's hand and get to know everyone and hand out business cards. You know, you're thinking about, okay, so I have so much mental stamina. I have so much energy that I can give to this. How do I want to maximize that? And if it's in a small group or if it's maybe reaching out to somebody ahead of time to ask them if they want to get coffee or dinner, those are the things that you can use to really get the most out of it. And then if you find yourself in an energetic mood and you can chat everyone up and go through with it, that's great. But you should be honest with yourself as to what works best for you so that your interactions are genuine and you build the relationships first and you're not just you know, collecting names to collect names and talk to people and that's the whole point of everything. There should be some intent and some motive behind it and I think that'll be very helpful.
0: Yeah, those are some great tips and I would also say one thing we forgot to mention are those opportunities like, um, you know, lunch with a mentor. What do they call those?
1: Oh yeah, take a student young professional to lunch and mentoring lunches, definitely. I know we do that in Wisconsin and our PA does it and a few other state associations have brought that as well too so if that's an option that's in your state i mean i would definitely take advantage of that because then you have a structured environment to speak and get to know someone else.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's really good for those one-on-one interactions. And typically you're paired up with someone who's in a management position or a director level position. And so it can remind you that they're human too. And a lot of times, like I've met some amazing professionals that way and um, have gained so much perspective by being able to sit down with someone in, in the higher level. So definitely recommend that as well. So the next topic that we're going to discuss today is moving past other opinions. And we'll probably spend the majority of our time on this because this is huge. Um, you know, it is okay to have opinions and it is okay to not be liked by everyone, but this is especially tough in an office environment or, you know, with people that you work with very closely all the time because you want to have a, a good relationship with everyone hundred percent, you know, that it's good for organizational culture, but um, this is just something that I really wish I could have told my younger self is that you don't need to be liked as much as you think you do. You know, I was always trying to be liked by my peers, liked by my bosses. And what happens is that you end up trying to conform to what they need you to be. And The truth is that you'll never meet their expectations because those are always changing. You know, all you can do is be the next best version of yourself. And so, you know, it it can make you a great employee by trying to figure out what people need from you. But I think you can also end up being burnt out when you try to please all the time.
1: I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. And to talk on this topic, I think it's important for young professionals, you know, when we're talking about opinions and moving past others, to have a conversation with themselves as to where their own personal opinions come from. And so when you break that down, you, have a, you take a look at your own moral compass, the ethics, standards that you want to live by, and you really start to begin asking yourself, you know, what are my values? And once you have a conversation with yourself about your values, which form your opinions, then you can really utilize that as a tool to guide through the early stages of your career and use it and when you're interacting with others to have those conversations and see where both parties are at. It's important, I think, within, with your values as well as your opinions, that they can't be you know they should be able to be re-evaluate, reevaluated as you grow, is what I'm trying to say. And so nothing should be so rigid. That somebody can't come along and you can't read or learn something new and and you can adjust it and have a conversation with someone. But at the same time, they shouldn't be on such soft ground that anything can really shake them. So if you have something you believe in, an opinion that's based in your values, really it should take a lot for somebody else to move and shake that. And once you have that set up, it's going to be a lot easier to embrace that change and embrace the conversations as you move past them. So, and like we said, it's okay if you don't agree with somebody, but what you should do is use your values to assess if that person idea that you're in disagreement with is something that you feel you can work through, or if it's something that you feel that there needs to be a different stance taken. And when it comes to challenges in the workplace, it's always hard because obviously you can't just walk away from somebody who's a colleague, somebody who's a coworker, You can't walk away from your supervisor if you find yourself in disagreement with them so you have to address these challenges in a professional manner so you know setting designated times to talk taking notes planning on what you would like to say using your values as the tool and the framework for how you're going to approach this conversation and disagreement will give you some direction you know coming from a place of understanding to seek resolution And if none can be found in that instance, then definitely seek a moderator if you have to move past it. And I really like what you said, too, about, you know, not everyone is going to like you and not everyone is going to agree with you. And as you work through your career and define your values, I think that also translates into finding your confidence. And that takes time, just like everything else that we're talking about today. It takes time to find your voice in meetings. It takes time to find your voice going to conferences. And it really takes a lot of time to find your voice in disagreements and being okay with who you are and where you stand. But I believe that the tougher of a conversation you have with yourself leads to an easier conversation you'll have with others if you know what your truths are.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that, what you just said, reminds me of some of the first conversations that I started to have as I was promoted into a management role. And having to give feedback to other people is very difficult. And it makes you kind of question why you think the things that you do. And and as people also have their own opinions, they may tell them to you. And then you're like, wait, is the feedback that I'm giving you accurate? Like, is this actually helpful? And so it, it really is a balance of, um, you know, self-discovery and then being able to have those tough conversations with other people. But the alternative is, is not any good, which is to um, kind of ignore those those conversations or to not give feedback or, you know, to not um maybe have that tough conversation with your boss. And when you don't talk about those tough things, then they just get buried under a rug and, you know, they may come out in other ways that aren't as productive. And I, I would, think I would, oh, oh, go ahead.
1: I would say I would agree with that. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. And I think it is something that um it can come with practice as you are continuing to have those tougher conversations, but it also comes easier with age. And I think, and what I mean by that is you over time have experiences that may invoke certain emotions within you. So, you know, you're observing someone, an employee or a colleague, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that they they would do something like that. Or maybe you're impressed by the way that somebody handled themselves in a meeting or in a tough situation. And so you start to observe and you start to experience things yourself and you start to think about things that are characteristics that you want for yourself. And those may become part of your value system. And, um, there's also other ways to find your values as you were talking about earlier. And one of those things is actually do a value setting exercise. And maybe I'll link to something in the show notes, but it's essentially where you have this whole list of values of all the different values you've probably ever heard of. And you start going through the list and you pick out 10 of them that really resonate with you. And then you kind of battle them out. So let's say that honesty and um, let's say honesty and passion are two of the ones at the top. And you kind of say, okay, which one is more important to me? honesty or passion, honesty or passion. And you kind of just say, okay, honesty is really important because I think, you know, it, it's, it's at the forefront of who I am. If I'm honest with myself, I'm honest with others and I can live a life that's more true to me. Okay. That's more important to me than passion. And then you go through like honesty versus perseverance. Okay. Which one's more important to me? And you kind of just continue to go through those top 10 and eventually you will have, um, battled out your values and found your top five values that you truly believe that you want to live in. And those will certainly change over time. What you do this year will not be the same as next year, but they can kind of become these, these um, guidelines for you to, to live your life by and to make decisions by. And so that's something that, you know, if you're interested in that, definitely challenge you to do that. Um, And it can definitely help young professionals who may be kind of feeling unclear as to, um, you know, who they are, finding their voice or maybe have trouble making decisions.
1: I think that's a great resource and a great tool. And I think it's important to emphasize when you talk about, you know, finding these values and where you're at with everything and, and remembering that people do change and that it's part of this is, is growth. And so the person who I was 10 years ago, not the person who I am today and some of the values have shifted some are still fundamentally sound and it's okay when you're growing as a professional and moving through your career to also understand that not everybody is going to be on this journey with you and there are relationships that will drift in and out of your professional life and some will, some will be great and some will end on a really high note and maybe it's just a project or a collaboration. And you might be working with somebody too who you have a long relationship with and you find yourself in a fundamental disagreement and you realize that your relationship will never be the same. And so if you're both confident individuals, it's, I think you can move past the differences and still respect each other as professionals and know that your value systems are different. But if you're younger listening to this, if you're in college or if you're in your 20s, just starting out in your career, things are gonna be very different when you get into your 30s. And I understand that they're gonna be different when I get into my 40s and beyond. But I know that I take great solace in knowing that I've always done my best and I've always tried and been an honest and true person with what I'm trying to accomplish and that there are people along the way who we just don't particularly see eye to eye anymore on different things and that's okay and it has nothing to do with a personal dislike it has nothing to do with any other type of challenge if i see this person and we see each other we still engage with each other but we both know that we are different and we're on a different path and so as you look around at the individuals that you're working with today you know, understand that some will be with you for the long term, but some of them you will have to say goodbye to. And a lot of that is going to come down to your growth as a professional, finding your voice, them finding their own voice, and seeing if things still work out as you take the next steps.
0: That's great advice. We're we're definitely, you know, are all like we talked about last time on on a different path and we may have different people in our lives that impact us, but um, as long as we handle it professionally and um, can respect people for who they are and regardless of, of their opinions. And I think that also gives you a little bit more freedom and permission to um, be who you are and express who you are and your opinions. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to continuing to do this and and move past some of those fears of, um, you know, what will people think or what will my boss think, or, you know, what is this next, um, what will my next boss think? There's so many different things that come into play in your professional career. And so, um, you know, I think this is, I hope that this episode has been helpful for all of you. And I think you certainly, um, had some great experiences to pull from Anthony. So I I appreciate what you had to say. And do you have anything else before we uh, head off um, for this episode?
1: Uh, Just to quote everybody's favorite rapping founding father, and that is, if you stand for nothing, then what will you fall for? So I think it's important to go through these challenges and find your voice and find your confidence. And just know that It's something that we've demonstrated today that is a constant growing and learning experience. It's never going to be easy. You're always going to have to work at it, but it's not something that you should ever take lightly or put on the back burner.
0: I love that. If you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys can take that quote and some of the other stories that we have told in this episode and go do something awesome today. Um, I really appreciate you guys all tuning in and we will be back soon with another episode. All right, everybody, that was our episode on finding your voice. I hope it was helpful for all of you. We will be back soon with another episode and I, I hope you guys have an awesome week and feel free to connect with any of us. Um, you can find our information on in the show notes or on my website, beckytalksparks.com. And if you go over there and subscribe to the email list, you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. And I'm also putting some professional development tips in those emails as well. So hope you guys enjoy and we will see you soon.